0: Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. I'm David Lally, producer of the show. I'd like to thank you guys for the tremendous success we've seen so far. We really do appreciate your support. On the day we launched, we were the number two business podcast worldwide. So thanks for that, and thanks for all the reviews of the show that you've been leaving on iTunes. Keep them coming. The more you guys share the show, the more people we can reach. Today we have a very special show for you. Brian is going to interview Tom Ziegler, who is the CEO of Ziegler Inc. Tom is the son of the venerable Zig Ziegler, and I think you're really going to enjoy this show. So over to you, Brian.
1: Well, the top of the morning to you, David, and uh, we are excited today. Many people know the name Zig Ziegler and not as many people familiar with his son Tom. Tom has been the CEO of the Ziegler Corporation for two and a half decades and has done a phenomenal job. I've known Tom for the past 15 years and a brilliant man who is just an excellent leader with a great business mind and some great insights of his own. And uh, we're real excited to have you today, Tom. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the effort, making the effort and taking the time.
2: Brian, it's an honor to be on the show. I'm excited. When I saw the podcast with Dad and Jim Rohn, Mm -hmm. boy, my heart just leapt. One of my favorite all-time speeches I ever heard. Wow. And I think I've told you that before, but Mm -hmm. uh, Dad had an affection for you and Dermot and the whole crew. I know we had a lot of fun when we visited there, Mm -hmm. and we kind of have a mutual admiration society going.
1: Yep, yep, we do. And Zig left a... An indelible mark on my life and through that many other people but I've also seen the fruit of his life show up in his son and his son is uh, is a character with character and uh, (laughs) we're honored to know you before I dive into this you know I've always wanted to know this Tom how has it been growing up being the son of Zig Ziglar? I, I know so many of the positives but it's also your own identity I know you as a guy that you loved to set the table for your dad you never had an ounce of, man, what about me, or what's in it for me, or you just love to set the table, and your dad always hit it out of the park, and you you have a phenomenal relationship with your father. But what's it like to be that, where you're the son of a super famous, charismatic character? How do you enjoy that, enjoy the relationship, and yet not lose your own identity?
2: (laughs) Well, I tell you, first off, the only thing I knew was you know, maybe the best father-son relationship you can imagine.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He never once put pressure on myself or my sisters to do anything other than what we wanted to do. I mean, his his instructions were, look, I'm going to support you as long as whatever you go after, you do it with 100% character and 100% integrity.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so he made it very easy to work together. And his example, his influence was humility.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I saw him hobnobbing and you know, hanging out with presidents and doing the things that most people their heads just we call it speakeritis, you know, they sure. get that giant head. And Dad would always come out of there just amazed that he got that opportunity. And right. so So that was the example that I had. The challenge for me wasn't anything that he created, it was my own internal mindset for a long time, for years, people said, Tom, why don't you go speak? And you Mm. said, I love setting the stage for other people, which is true. And I said, no, no, no. We got Zig Ziglar. We got our whole team. That's what they do. They're Mm. the best. And one day I sat down with myself and I said, why is it that I don't want to speak? And I came to the realization that I was afraid people would think I should be like Zig Ziglar when I was on the stage. Mm. And not once was that ever told to me. Right. And so I said, you know what, that's probably not what they want. Probably what they want is the best version of Tom Ziegler possible. Right. I went out and had fun and got a great response and realized at the same time that I had a long way to go. Sure. But because I was just me and transparent and I took that pressure off, instead of being, you know, this anxiety-laden thing, it became something I looked forward to.
1: You know, on the day of your dad's funeral, you gave a, just a really powerful eulogy— that just captivated all that were there. It seemed to me, on, on just on a personal level, knowing you as a friend, it seemed like there was a sparklet in you that day and, and almost like I'm just projecting what I saw. It's like you saw the kind of influence you could have in front of a group like that. I don't know if it had happened before that, but it certainly was very tangible for me on that day.
2: Well, I tell you, something took hold of me that day. Mm. Uh, my notes, I had three words on it. That was it. Wow. When I came off the stage, my legs almost collapsed. Mm. Somebody held me up. Mm. It was a surreal, out-of-body experience. You know, sometimes it's good to hear about miracles. So let me just give Mm. you a sequence of miracles. About two weeks before Dad passed away, my sister Julie was driving down the road, and She saw in the clouds. She would left mom and dad's house, and she'd seen in the clouds a Z. And when you're a Ziggler, you (laughs) see Zs, right? (laughs) Sure. And so she's driving down the road. She sees the Z in the clouds, and that doesn't happen. I'm just telling you, that's an odd-shaped cloud. Yeah. And she grabs her phone off of her seat, and she, going 55 miles an hour, she takes a picture (laughs) of it. Well, it's an iPhone, and when you when you pull up the camera, it's on camera. But what had happened is somehow she hit video, and she took a four-second video. Hmm. So fast forward, we go to the hospital on Thanksgiving Day. It's really serious. The doctor says we're going to do everything we can, and within really within about an hour and a half, we knew that this was his time. We uh-huh. just did, it was going to be two hours or whatever. That night, we're in his room. Uh, we're all quiet, and Julie says, "Let me show you this video." And she pulls the video up, and there's this Z, and it's a four-second of the cloud.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I go, "Oh, that's perfect." And so what I did is I took that Z, and I made it our landing page on our website and our Facebook page. Right. I remember that. But this was going to be the announcement that you know, and it said Zig Ziglar speaking in heaven now. Well. We go through the week, and it's anybody who's been through that, it's just a hard week. Uh So dad passes away, we go to the pastor's office, we do the arrangements, and we're having the big service at 11, and we're having a graveside service at 9, just the family and and close friends. And we're walking out, we haven't even planned the graveside service. And I look at Pastor Jack Graham, and I say, oh, we haven't planned the graveside. He says, what do you want? I said, I want it short and sweet. 20 minutes. He goes, that's perfect. So, Friday night is the viewing, so we're getting ready to go to the funeral home. My sister Julie, Cindy and Mom are and I are there, and Julie comes to me and she goes, "You know, there was audio on that video of the Z cloud. We should listen to it." <laughs> so, we listen to it. 4 seconds and the audio there's a preacher on and he says in the 4 seconds he says 1 Thessalonians 4 13 through 18. Have you ever read that verse?
1: I'm sure I have, but I know I'm going to hear it right now.
2: Let me look it up, because I Uh, want to get it right. You don't
1: want to butcher it?
2: No, no, no. (laughs) So I go to 1 Thessalonians 4 through 13, just like I am now on my iPhone. Mm -hmm. It's my verse now that I write in every book that I sign, and here's the first verse. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. (laughs) So God is literally saying, look, I put a Z in the cloud, (laughs) and I'm going to include audio. But it gets better, because the thing that Dad was known for, 60 Minutes, called him the merchant of hope. (laughs) So hope is in the first word, first verse. And then a few verses later, it talks about, we'll be caught up in the clouds. So if you think it's a coincidence that I've made this message happen in the clouds, you've got something else coming. The last verse says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Dad taught the encouragers class at Sunday school for 20 years. Right. So we're watching this video, four seconds, with audio, with the Z. It's like God's got his hands on us, and he's saying... This is a life well-lived, everything's going to be okay. Uh. Saturday morning, we go to the graveside service, the pastor comes out, he says, I have a scripture for you, and he recites from memory 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. I'm looking at mom, I'm looking at Cindy, I'm looking at Julie, and I couldn't help it. I had to go up and talk to the pastor afterwards. I said, did you hear about the video? He had no clue. <laughs> So as you can imagine, if you've ever done that type of eulogy or talking about somebody you love, I mean, it's it's one of the toughest things you can do. So we go to the big church, and we're in the family room, and it's like the presence of God just took over. And so if you watch that video, I still don't know what I said. I have to watch it.
1: Mm. It's wild, because you had such a presence about you that day. The calmness and the assurance was remarkable. It's interesting to hear. I know we've caught up since, you know, since you started speaking, you kind of felt like you started at grassroots and you'd hit this out of bounds and hit the next one out of bounds, right? And you'd, oh man, that wasn't that good. And you've kind of done it over and over and over again. But on that day, every word was knitted together and the look in the eye and the way, and people were just captivated. And again, give context here. People are always open to listen at a funeral. People are always listening to hear a eulogy but there was just something really special that day, and um, I remember later getting the video footage. I've watched it twenty times. If anybody gets a chance to look that up on YouTube, it's uh, I think it's out there. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. But it definitely, there was something lit in you that day, and I I didn't know the backstory with the cloud and and the video and the soundtrack. But it sounds like a Ziegler deal to me. That's all I got to say. I I've been around the Ziegler boys for a long time, and that stuff seemed to follow you boys around every time I was around you.
2: I tell you what, first off, the reason it came across okay is it obviously wasn't me talking. Sure. And number two, God knows that we need the same messaging like five different ways or we don't get it. Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: (laughs) no doubt. No doubt. So switching gears here a little bit is um, a story that many, many folks listening to this today may not have ever heard. And it's, again, it's that behind-the-scenes stuff, and it's it's kind of this transition of legacy from – not continuing on with Ziegler's speech, but his legacy, and his legacy's lived out in you. And and the thing I've said, and I've said to you many times, including today before we started recording, was there are many, many people, thousands of people that I've seen who are speakers and presenters, and when you look behind the curtain, their home life was a mess. Traveling and, and being in different cities every night and that kind of stuff can often produce that. But I always said the strongest part of your father's legacy was lived out in what I met in his family. And that's continued on for you. And now the great work you're doing with Ziegler, Inc. And I actually think, you know, what Ziegler, Inc. is going to become far greater and far more than your dad ever envisioned in his wildest dreams with what you're doing. But I remember hearing the story of your dad and the plane ride and the manila envelope and the whole concept of persistent consistency. I'd love you to share that a little bit, because I think that would give an insight into your dad. You know, many people think your dad had the gift of gab, which he did, right? He definitely could string a line together and and work a a one-liner as good as anyone ever has. But he would prepare. He would work. And even though he'd given the same talk thousands and thousands of times, he was a preparation guy, which, you know, I prepare very diligently for when I work, and I was a big admirer of his. But maybe you could share that story a little bit about Your dad and how he went through his routine and this whole consistency that he had in preparation.
2: Right. So uh, I asked dad, and, you know, the older I get, the worse my hearing, but the better I listen. Mm. And so dad in his life, the older he got, I'd ask him things. And I said, dad, you always say the number one reason for your success is character and integrity. What's number two? And he said, PC, persistent consistency. Hmm. And so I leaned in and I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, son, consistency is when you have a worthy goal or objective and you do it, whatever it takes, every day or as often as necessary until you achieve it. Mm. Persistency is the little bit extra. We call it the BAM, the block in a mailbox. And that's
0: mm-hmm.
2: his way. He The first day he started running, he ran a block. The second day, a block in a mailbox. The third day, a block in two mailboxes. If we're in sales, if we're making calls, we we make 30 calls every day, that's consistency. The second day we make the call, we add a little phrase into the opening. The third day we add a new question, and the fourth day, you know, a new statement or something. We're always trying to raise our game just a little bit. I never saw this practice illustrated more than traveling with Dad. Uh-huh. Let's go on a trip together. So we get to the airport, we're checking in, and. We would walk in, we'd go through security, and if there was somebody in uniform, Dad would go and thank them for their service.
0: Uh-huh.
2: I can't tell you how many flights we were close to missing because of that. Uh-huh. So he lived in this bubble of gratitude. He would get on the plane. He would get there in his seat. He would tell the flight attendant, I'm going to take a nap. My seatbelt is buckled. Don't offer me a drink. I'm all good. He would take that manila folder. He'd put it in the seat next to him. He would fall asleep within two minutes of sitting down. (laughs) Dad knew how to travel. No,
1: and those of us who've who've been road warriors for a long time, you better learn to be out before it goes up. That's the line.
2: So he would be asleep on the taxi. we would be asleep (laughs) during takeoff. Unbelievable. But whatever reason, when the wheels fold under Mm. the plane, you know that happens, he would wake up. He would pull his manila folder out, and he'd start working. And we were going to Vegas for an event, and I go, Dad, what are you doing? I knew what he was doing, but I wanted to know what he was doing. Mm -hmm. He said, Son, I'm working on my presentation for tomorrow. I said, Dad, you've given this thing, this talk, like 3,000 times. Why are you doing it? He said two reasons. Number one, I prepare three hours at least for every presentation I give, no matter how many times I've given it, because it'll be the first time somebody in that room has ever heard me. Uh I've got one chance to make an impression, to get somebody excited, to maybe investigate what we're talking about, to put it into practice, and maybe, just maybe, because I prepare, a life will be changed. That's consistency. And he said, number two, is I met with the CEO, the Vice President of Marketing, the Vice President of Sales, this is their big sales convention, and they have initiatives going on, there's programs and awards they want to give, there's new products that are being launched, they've got some keywords, if I can incorporate some of that into the talk, plus I was reading in the newspaper last week about their industry. There's something going on. If I can weave that in, maybe, just maybe, somebody in the room will think, you know what, Zig Ziglar took time for our group to make it personal to them. Uh-huh. Maybe they will take what I say, apply it, and it will change their life. That's persistency. All right. So there you go. If the short answer to a successful life and career is do everything with character and integrity and practice persistent consistency Mm. in everything you do.
1: That's beautiful. You know, we've probably had over 200 people who've come in as presenters at our events over the years, and you name it, the who's who, we've had them all. But there were three people who stood out in regards to their preparation, and it was your dad, it was Jim Rohn, and it was Lou Holtz, which is why I always admire these guys and I always bring them up. Lou Holtz spoke A dozen times for our organization and every time he would interview me like it was the first time he was ever speaking and your dad was the same way and initially the second time your dad did I thought well he's got a lot of gigs going on the third time I'm like okay I see the pattern here and he want to know what's the need of the audience where are they at what can I do to help and what people don't realize and what mastery looks like Zig didn't change 50 or 40 or 30 percent of his presentation he changed three or four percent of his presentation but people came away going that's exactly what I needed today he was just talking to me today and that's what people don't realize And that level of commitment and it has to be for the drive of I want to help somebody I want to serve somebody if you're just doing it to make a buck you're just going to show up do your spiel and move out and I've had hundreds of those people and not just in the speaking world, but in any walk of life, right? If you mean, you're owning a business. But if it's connected to a deeper sense of purpose and connected to a deeper sense of passion, it seems to be that you then will do the extra little bit. Here's the thing. Those guys are all my almost spiritual fathers. He was your real life dad, but he he had a huge impact on me as Jim and, and as Lou Holtz has. And I've tried to honor that legacy myself with how I prepare for my presentations. So I like to say I put 100 hours of preparation into every one hour of talking. And so we're into it, keeping that legacy alive. Let me ask you this. Speaking of that, how are you carrying the whole Ziegler legacy forward? How have you picked up the torch? You put your own spin on it. You've got a great business mind. Uh, I think your dad was one of the greatest public speakers that ever lived. I think your dad always knew you were a better business guy than him. you got a great mind for business. How are you carrying that whole legacy forward?
2: Well, let me just give you a defining question that changed my life. Okay. Uh, February, after dad passed away in November, I went to uh, visit one of my friends. This guy is a huge real estate investor in Australia. He's fantastic, quality through and through. And he was visiting his houses. He has hundreds of properties Uh around And he said, I'm going to be in Fort Myers. Why don't you come visit? So I flew over there. I was speaking in Atlanta. I flew down. We spent the day together. And he said, Tom, how's business going? I want to see Ziegler survive. How is it doing? Because, you know, the founder, the voice, uh, the the image, the brand, everything. And I said, you know, God's really blessed us. It's been hard in all the ways you can imagine, but we're we're doing okay. And he said, well, that's good because I want to see you guys thrive. So what are you going to do to grow? And I started telling him things that I'd been telling him. He's like my friend, my mentor. Uh And he said, Tom, let me ask it another way. What are you gonna do to generate five times the business? Because isn't it true that if you generate five times the business, you impact five times the people? (laughs) And I said, well, we're gonna do this, this, and this. He said, Tom, you just told me that. Let me ask the question a different way. You pick up your cell phone right now, the voice on the other end says that they've just kidnapped your wife and your daughter and you have 12 months to generate five times the business or you'll never see him again, what are you gonna do?
0: Uh
2: And suddenly, all the things that we'd always done that were good in the context of that question no longer mattered. Because let's face it, I don't have the same skills, the same talents, the same gifts as dad. As hard as I try to do what he did or keep going what he started, It's going to be impossible. And so I got back and I analyzed that question, and I said, you know what? We want to change the world. We need help. (laughs) We can't do it alone. There's not enough of us. Mm -hmm. And out of that was born our Ziegler Legacy Certification Program, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: where we certify and equip other people to go out and teach our programs in relationship building and goal setting and personal development, the core of Dad's message. And now we have 160 people around the world, 13 different countries. We keep our certification very small because we want to know the heart of the person. Because our material, you can be the greatest technician in the world, mm-hmm. but if you don't live out the philosophy, it's not going to work for you. Right. And so they come in for a full week. And so out of that, I developed my own mission statement. And I am a huge believer and everybody should have their own mission statement.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So my mission is to help you become significant by equipping you to help others become significant Mm. and so a lot of organizations talk about success and we go one step further we go to significance sure and when i've been to your events that's what i love because there's a lot of successful people in the room yeah and that's great because i believe that's a byproduct of shooting for significance
1: sure Absolutely. You know, we've always used the illustration of the fountains: stability, success, and honest significance. And it's success is not the ultimate destination. Um, the significance always is about others and how you can impact. But it's it's hard to impact others when you're trying to make the mortgage. And so, right? So, yeah, it's. Uh, I tell people all the time. I've met some folks who are so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. Right? So you got to take care of business. You got to do well. But you got to keep your eyes up. you got to keep your eyes up. How brilliant a question was that? Because it forced you to think from a different spot. It did. And uh, by golly, you've done it. And you're on your way. And and, uh, we congratulate you. Because I've seen the guys that are doing some of the certification training. We've heard good feedback. We've had some of our clients go through the training and love it. So uh, continue the good work and continue putting the coals on the fire there. I have a couple things I want to know. I know you personally are very passionate about the whole concept of uh, helping people improve their habits. And you've kind of come up with just one of the linchpins, as you've talked through, you know, you've been immersed in motivation for many, many years, but it's kind of like you got to build that bridge between motivation and actual productivity and and getting results. And so it seems that you've really kind of found this center ground on habits. And I'm a big passionate believer in that we are what we repeatedly do, as Aristotle would say. So... Talk to us a little bit about your philosophy on habits.
2: Absolutely. I was uh, speaking last year in Australia, and in that session, there's 150 people. I love questions and answers. I love Q&A. And the reason is, is I know what I'm going to say, and I get tired of hearing me speak. As <laughs> so you know how it is, you do a whole day program, yeah. you got a bunch of people in uh, yeah. To be about the people in the room, right? We're going to cover the points, but we need to do it about. So this guy raises his hand halfway through the morning, and he says, "Tom, what is the fastest way to success?" Huh? And Brian, for fifty-one, I'm fifty-one now. I was fifty at the time. Nobody had ever, I'd never heard that question. Nobody sure. ever asked me.
1: But they're all thinking it.
2: Right. They're asking questions like, "What are the keys to success?" Or mm-hmm. "What do successful people do?" Well, this guy cuts at the chase.
1: Yeah. What mm-hmm. is the
2: fastest way? Give me the shortcut. And so I said, I didn't know the answer. I was making it up. I'm doing all these things in my head. And I said this, the fastest way to success is to replace bad habits with good habits. Mm -hmm. And I kept on talking. Yeah. Come back from the break, the host comes up and says, hey, get your pen out. Did you hear what Tom said? The fastest way to success is to replace bad habits with good habits. I did a double take on the side of the room. (laughs) You're like, who said that? I wrote it down. <laughs> like wait a second, I gotta write this down.
1: That's awesome.
2: I, up, I talk. I'm thinking in my mind. I go back to the hotel room that night. I look it up. Somebody had to say that, right? I mean, think of all the people on. Yeah, sure. Nobody said it that way. Mm. So I I did the Ziegler thing. I sent an email back to the company. They made a quote poster. We posted it on Facebook, social media, everywhere. I own it now. And then for 26 hours of plane rides on the way back. Mm different cities I went to on this tour, I tested it against every area of our life. Mm. The physical, the mental, the spiritual, the family, the financial, and the personal. Our wheel of life, what Dad talked about. And it holds true. Uh You take a bad habit in any area of your life and you replace it with a good habit. Uh You do that 52 times or you do it 12 times during the year. Uh You will be a different person at the end of the year. And here's the encouraging thing. Dad had this funny. He said, hurricanes and tornadoes get all the publicity, but termites do more damage. Right. And they take such little bitty bites.
1: Right, right.
2: And so the habits that we're talking about are little, incremental, minute steps that mm-hmm. you can play something bad with something good.
1: Give me a pointer. Someone's listening to this. Maybe they're, they're waking up late. Maybe they're eating food that's not good for them. Or, you know, they know the things to do. We all know if I exercise and eat right, I'm going to get fit and thin. But yet we've spent $40 billion a year on get fit quick schemes or, you know, the buns of titanium videos and all of the different things. Why is it so hard to change habits, and what would be one tip you'd give on on helping somebody replace a bad habit with a good habit?
2: Okay, so I'm a nerd, and you had Daniel Coyle, who wrote The Talent Codes. Yes. I love that book, so I love the way the brain works.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When we get under pressure, we go back to the bad habit.
0: hmm
2: So all the studies show it takes 66 days or longer to truly develop a new habit to where if you forget about it, you feel bad. Mm-hmm. This is why people join the gym in January and stop in February, even though they're seeing results, they get distracted, they give it up, they don't even miss it. So you got to go 66 days or longer. Here's the key: when you replace a bad habit with a good habit, and you get under pressure, the pressure because you've got this new habit Mm -hmm. go to that. Mm -hmm. Think of people who you know stop smoking. A lot of them will put the cigarettes down and they'll pick up a bottle of water. Right. They get the physical urge, and they have to reach for something, and you have it as a bottle of water. So a quick tip, if you drink soft drinks with sugar in it, if everything stays the same, and you just replace one soft drink with one bottle of water, you'll lose 14 pounds over the year.
0: Huh.
2: And just think of ear You're in sales. What if every night the last thing you did takes 10 minutes? You printed out your call list. You just went old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Guess what? If the, if the computers are down or the phones don't work or whatever, you're okay. You've got the list right in front of you. Uh-huh. It takes five minutes, but here's the best part. You start thinking about the people you're going to call the next day. Uh-huh. You dream about them. It changes everything. Just uh-huh. a little tiny change.
1: Yep. Makes all the difference, right? I love that. Termites do more damage than hurricanes and twisters. That's yeah, true. It's true. The 66 days. Now, I've heard it used to be 21 days with Maximilian Maltz, and I've heard 30 days. Where do you feel like the 66 days? Is that just the advancement of the studies on the subject?
2: Yes. I think it's – is it in the one thing they talk about it?
1: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: But it, that's out of a research study out of Europe. In fact, I think I may have sent you a link on it already, but it's a study, and, and, and what they discovered is that it takes almost 30 days – to master the new habit.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, think about it. If you've never printed out the names that you want to call tomorrow, sure. it takes a month to feel comfortable doing that. Right. And then it takes almost three months before, if you don't do it, you feel like your life is upside down. Right,
1: right. And the real key to that new habit is once you get under pressure, what do you do? Right. And you own the habit when under pressure you do the right thing. You reach for the carrot stick instead of the chocolate right you drink the water instead of the diet coke
2: and the other thing is keep the streak alive this is a mm. great, whatever your habit is the good one keep the streak alive so Love it. i know people who will say my habit is is i'm going to do 50 push-ups a day mm-hmm. and i'll talk to them from time to time i'll go how's it going and they'll go oh yeah three times last month i had to get out of the bed once i got in it because i'd forgotten my push-ups mm-hmm. and i said oh really how long have you been doing it? All of them have been doing it more than 90 days. Sure. When people fail, it's always in that first
1: Because the goal is, I mean, human being, we love momentum. And the feeling of failure or loss is tough. And say, like, oh, it's one more thing I didn't do or one more thing, I, I, I'm a quitter. Well, one of the things I've always championed people on is, you know, you gave up something, you tried something, you started something, you quit. You might not be a quitter, you just might be a stopper you know? And because the quitter is, that's who you are, and that's what your character is. The stopper is, that's what your habit was. And now you got you got to get the gaps between restarting and stopping to be shorter, right? You go from being a, a quitter to a stopper, and then you keep the streak alive, which is fantastic. I'm having a blast with you, by the way. And I, I want you to just to give you my feedback here. I know folks listening to this are loving this. You know, you have a great style about you, Tom, and you have a lot of wisdom, and you deliver it your own unique way. And I What I think the most powerful thing of your next phase of your business and life is how really comfortable you are in your own skin. You have this big name, and it's a name. It's like I have a name like Buffini. My father used to say to me, you know, growing up in Ireland, everybody's Murphy and O'Brien and Lynch, and he goes, son, don't mess up the name because no one ever forgets it. And, uh, you know, the same thing for you guys. It's not like you can hide with the name Ziegler when you check into a hotel. Oh, yeah, I'm Mr. Ziegler. It's not like, you know, that name is out there. But it's a powerful testimony of your dad's legacy to the kind of family he's raised with you and your sisters. But I think you have a fabulous style, very comfortable in your own skin, and I think it's a very powerful thing. So I have a few questions for Tom Ziegler that are kind of rapid-fire questions that are sometimes more as caught than taught. So here's the first one I have. What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten?
2: Ah, great one. It's Dad's quote. You are what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are and you can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. Mm. I took his quote and I made my own. What you feed your mind determines your appetite. Mm. The number one habit that anyone can master is choosing what goes into your mind?
1: You're like the quote machine yourself now, Mr. Tom Ziegler, just so you know. That's great stuff. I have pages of notes sitting here for my own self, not for the folks who are listening. Next, rapid fire. What's the one talent or gift do you wish you possess that you currently don't?
2: Oh, my gosh. I've never thought of that before.
1: That's why I'm asking.
2: Yeah. I want to fly. I want to be Superman.
1: All right. Beautiful. You and my son, Adam, are the same. Nice. What book has been most instrumental in your life?
2: Recently, my good friend, Bob Bodine, he wrote The Power of Who. He's unbelievable as a presenter and as a human being. He's writing a new book. I got the manuscript. It's called Two Chairs, and this has revolutionized my life. It's not out yet. Mm. Here's the concept. You get two chairs, one for you, one for God, first thing in the morning. You start off with three statements, God, you know, my situation, you're big enough to handle it, you have good plans for me. What are they? Mm. And then you listen. Wow. The first two and a half weeks I did that, the same message kept coming. You're sitting in my chair.
1: (laughs) That's awesome.
2: God, you know my situation. You're big enough to handle it. You have a plan for me. What is it? Love it. Listen. Wow. You know, we get into the mode of I'm going to read this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to pray. Yeah. That's all wonderful. We need to do that. Sure. But I have started off every morning now listening.
1: Wow. I mean, look, all the science behind this and we understand the impact of stress on the human body and we know that the whole science now the pituitary gland and how it receives pressure and ultimately how the vagus gland is ultimately the number one way to de-stress your body and your life is with meditation prayer and silence and in our worlds today we do not do very much of that at all so that's a great technique especially for those of us who are in the Western culture and you know how do you do this how do you go about this how do you quiet your mind very difficult So that's fabulous. Love it. Love it. That's a great one. Your most instrumental book is one that's not even out yet. So that's great. I'm going to have to chase down Bob Bodine. That's awesome. What's your favorite song?
2: My favorite song? I'm not a music person. You're not? No. It would be something from Talking Heads, though. Come
1: on, Talking Heads. Yeah. Let's go. Letting the days go by. Is that the name of it?
2: Yeah. Make that my favorite song. Okay. Okay. Now I can't get out of my head.
1: There we go. Tom Ziegler's an 80 guy. I knew it. I knew it. I know. I can only see the top half of you, but I know you're wearing Madonna pants under that desk as we speak. That's awesome. Last one here. What movie do you watch over and over?
2: Oh, this is embarrassing. Made in Manhattan.
1: Oh, come on. Tell me why that movie does it for you.
2: Because my wife loves it. Sure. And it plays constantly...
1: Tell the folks a little bit about your bride, uh,
2: my wife is from Campeche, Mexico, yep, we've been married almost uh twenty nine years, Mm-hmm. and boy, does she know how to run a house and keep me straight and <laughs> she's we uh raised an amazing daughter mm-hmm. uh, but uh when my wife says, "Hey, you know, let's spend some time together, there's just not a lot of good stuff on the t v and sure. You know, and, and so when you're chilling out you, in you're guarding your mind, you got to be careful what you want to do. And that's a feel-good story. Yeah,
1: it is. And the little Hispanic girl wins, so we love that, right?
2: And I have a confession. You know, when I speak, I'll tell people I, I have a confession. I am prejudiced.
1: Yeah.
2: I prefer Mexicans.
1: Yeah, well, I prefer blacks, so it all works out, Tommy. <laughs> you
2: know, of all the gifts that Dad gave us, it is that ability to see people's soul. Yeah because our skin is just a vehicle. It's like our car. It yeah. has nothing to do with who we are. Right. And so, uh, you know, I can go anywhere in the world, and I've got family wherever I go.
1: Well, you're an amazing man, and I, I got to tell you, I guarantee you there's a whole bunch of folks sitting and listening to this today who are going, wow, I had no idea. So it's a great joy for me to have maybe some folks who don't know you, and they only know you as Zig Ziglar's son, but I've had the privilege of calling you a friend here for a long time. You're a great man. You're living a great life. You're pursuing a great legacy, not only for your father, but also for all those people that you're still out there trying to reach. And I know you're preparing and working hard, because there might be one person out there that Ziegler Corporation can reach today, and you're still uh, pursuing that. It's a blessing to have you here today. It's been great to get to know you a little bit. And I am going to have to go and go on Netflix and review Made in Manhattan as we speak. And while I'm driving home from the studio, I will be talking heads to myself, cranking along, thinking of the great Tom Ziegler. Tom, thanks for being with us today. Really appreciate you. You're just a great guy.
2: Awesome. Thank you.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Tom Ziegler. I know I did, and I took pages of notes. By the way, if you want links to anything we spoke about, go to thebrianbuffinishow.com, and we do post show notes there that summarize everything you heard today. Our goal is to influence as many people as we can. So please, share The Brian Buffini Show with your friends. Tell them to go to iTunes and subscribe for free. So as I finish here today, I'll leave you with a little Irish blessing that my grandfather always said. May the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time.